G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And joining me in the studio is my good friend, Pastor Graham Jones. First time in our brand new studios. Graham, welcome along. How are you, mate? I'm great. and It's good to be here and thanks very much for the opportunity. Welcome along, Graham. Now, uh, we've known each other a little bit over the years through the National Day of Prayer and through some prayer events. We've got to know each other a little bit, but just in this last few months, uh, we've been able to connect and I've just been so blessed uh, to hear your story and hear what God's been doing through your ministry over the years. So let's find out a bit of your story for those who haven't heard of uh, your ministry before. Uh, Give us a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised? Okay, I was uh, born in Coffs Harbour, would you believe, but we saw the light and moved to Queensland very shortly <laughs> after that. So I've been in Queensland, around southeast Queensland, for the majority of my life, all by the first year. Okay, mm. and tell us a bit about your upbringing. Did you have a religious upbringing at all? Yeah, well, I was born back in um, the 1950s, and of course the 1950s was a boom time. And um, not only were things moving, you know, as people were resettling after the war and settling down and so on, but things were booming in the church. And uh, what was happening in the church was, uh, you know, as Billy Graham came at the end of the 1950s and in the midst of all of that, my parents, um, who were Christians, they were locally, um, or they were involved locally in the Baptist church out on the north side of Brisbane, and they knew the Lord, they loved the Lord, you know, at home we'd read the Bible together, They'd we'd worship on Sunday afternoon, sing songs and pray together around the table. And in our home, there was quite a strange mix, I think. There, on the one hand, there was the love of God and a lot of prayer, a lot of worship. But then on the other hand, there was a lot of rules. And uh, I didn't really understand all the rules. You know, there were things like, you don't swear, don't smoke, don't drink. Uh, don't dance, don't play sport on Sunday, don't play with the neighbour's kids on Sunday and don't go swimming on Sunday and I couldn't reconcile all of these rules and so I became consumed with the rules of Christianity uh, trying to do all the right things, please my parents and so forth and uh, one morning I was sitting on my bed reading John 3.16 and uh, as I read John 3.16 Uh, where it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I'd read that for probably, I don't know, 20, 30 or 40th time. I don't know. I had a Bible with it marked in. But all of a sudden as I read that, I realized, uh, I, I focused on the everlasting life part. And I thought about, you know, forgiveness, God's love, but as a result of that we get everlasting life. And that didn't reconcile with all the uh, rules that I was being taught to to stick to. And I thought, I need to make this commitment to Christ. I'd heard about it. I made a commitment to Christ. And at that moment, I moved from doing to being. And that was a massive change in my life. So that was kind of the start of the adventure with God and transformed the way I saw uh, Christianity and I think improved my relationship with my family. 
Yeah, that is awesome, mate. Uh, a lot of uh, Christians would have a similar testimony where they believed what their parents taught them <laughs> until they became uh, they, they got a revelation and had a personal relationship with Jesus. And uh, when was that for you? Uh, early teens, or you know, do you remember the age? That yeah, just very early teens. Early coming teens, coming out of childhood into teenage years. Yeah, just in time for your bar mitzvah. Hey, about then, hey? Oh, good. Yeah, about that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's Jew, that's Jew, Jewish faith. Anyway, uh, so uh, tell us a bit about your uh, early career. What did, what did you do uh, after school? What kind of uh, employment did you have? Study? Did you do? Okay, yeah, well, I graduated from uh, high school and uh, went to work for the Courier-Mail, Brisbane newspaper, Courier-Mail, and uh, I was working there, first of all, in the office and then in advertising, and uh, the boss kept talking to me about the possibility of, um, you know, studying, particularly in the area of accountancy, and he had in mind that I'd take over from the uh, company accountants, so... You know, that was the direction I was heading in, but I was feeling uncomfortable in my studies and uh, I didn't know what else was out there. And in the middle of that, I started to feel like the Lord saying, maybe ministry. And I changed my study course um, to be more directed towards ministry and I felt a peace. And so from there, I uh, went off to Bible college and um, started to, or I did Bible college, but not really intending to go into local church ministry. I didn't know what was beyond that. And tell us about your first church. Uh, did, did you start pastoring straight after Bible college? I did. Yeah, yeah there, there was one day I just got this very clear um, word from the Lord out of uh, 2 Timothy 4. I, I know we, so many people know this, but when you get it in your quiet time, morning devotions at college, and then you're listening to uh, a sermon that night where I happened to go to a church service that I wouldn't have normally gone to, three times in one day this same passage came up and uh, the Lord said, I'm giving you this charge. I want you to preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And that was a call to ministry. So I went off and um, um, out of Bible college went to a church out at Ipswich, one of the largest Baptist churches in Queensland, and uh, took up the role of um, youth pastor. Okay. And uh, there we saw a group of kids. I think they all fitted, the whole youth group fitted in my lounge room when I got there. And after three years, we saw the Lord do some amazing things. And there was 120 kids in the youth group. And we had sporting teams and all sorts of things. And uh, But many of those kids came to Christ. Uh, we were seeing kids reached off the street. They came to Christ, and some of those are in ministry today. Mm, wonderful. Mm. And what about uh, after Ipswich? What was your? Did, did you go through a few churches after that? How many other churches did you work for? Yeah, went from there up to Nambour, where I became the uh, pastor of um, what was Nambour Baptist. I think it's Flame Tree mm-hmm. uh, Baptist Church now. Yep. So I was there for nine years, okay. and then moved back to Brisbane, and uh, got involved in church planting. Now, I'm really curious to know about church planning because for me, uh, it's been something that I just, like I read a book years ago from C. Peter Wagner called Church Planting for a Greater Harvest. It was part of my Mm. Bible college curriculum and it just outlined very clearly the best way to evangelize, the best way to change a community. Just keep planting churches, keep sending people out planting churches, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's been massive seasons of church planting in Australia in the past, mm. and we need more. Mm. <laughs> uh, more than ever, we need church planting. 
Uh, it's very difficult in this season, of course. Uh, a lot of people are doing online church planning at the moment. But yeah. uh, Tell us a bit about uh, your role. And in particular, I want to focus on you saw some pockets of revival as you were traveling uh, with Queensland Baptist doing church planning. Just tell us, take us through that journey. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you've got to remember when I got involved in the church planning, I was part of Mission to Queensland. And uh, Reverend John Tanner was the uh, director of Mission to Queensland, set a good platform, set it up. He pioneered uh, Mission to Queensland. But the whole goal of Mission to Queensland, um, the primary goal was to go into places where there were no churches. And there's many, many churches around Queensland where um, there are just no ch- At that time, where there were no churches, mining towns were just opening up, boom towns and um Churches were coming in on the ground at the same time as uh, facilities like local halls and schools were being set up. So that was fantastic. Um, The other area that uh, I really felt a a strong call to was Western Queensland and uh, where there was um, little churches. Many of them hadn't seen a pastor for many, many years. Some of them, uh, the one pastor was uh, visiting churches over hundreds of uh, square kilometres as you do, um, particularly out in that rural community. And uh, it was at a time when um, C. Peter Wagner was becoming involved in um, the global church and his books were influencing people and I was influenced also by some of his writings, but it was also at a time in the 80s when um, church planning just wasn't done. What was happening was in the growth areas, you know, as churches were getting too big, they'd usually expand to accommodate the rest of the um, or the accommodation uh, accommodate the the number of people um, but we believed that we needed to plant churches to reach uh, people with the good news of Jesus so we went out and um, I think it was over 10 years we planted about 15 new churches just through the uh, Queensland Baptist denomination wow yeah and just name drop for us some of the locations. Like, what were some of the churches that, you know, there might be people listening now that are in those churches now, because uh, okay. we've got vision all around Queensland. Just give us, give us some of those, you know, locations. Just to... Well, the northernmost church was Cooktown. Oh, right. Okay. And so, went in there, and we had some funny stories coming out of there. Some of them I can't tell, but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there was Cooktown. Then we we're out, um, planted a church at Longreach, which is still going strong, and uh, down Charleville. Um, there, there was a couple of funny little instances. There was one at Thargaminda. Um, we were out there exploring the possibility of starting a church there. And uh, Thargaminda is about as far west as you can go. It's still a couple of hundred kilometres from the Queensland Northern Territory border, but about as far west as you can go before you hit the real, you know, open, you know, se- semi-desert country. So we got there and our car broke down. We had a rover. And it wasn't a Land Rover, it was the, you know, the smart Rover car. And uh, broke down right in front of the service station. So we said, well, Lord, what are we going to do? So we prayed and um, made some inquiries and we discovered that um, all we could do was order a part. It was a computer part. We had to order it from Sydney. They flew it to Brisbane, then put it on the train. So we were there for a week. So we wondered what we are going to do and uh, we met the local police um, officer's wife. Turned out she was a Christian and she said, um, my husband's out of town but he said if you want somewhere to stay, 
you can um, all sleep in the lockup. There were three of us. You can sleep in the lockup for the night. No one else is going to use it. <laughs> but we'd already started to think about booking into the motel. So we booked into the motel and we thought that was a better place to be. That night we saw the motel manager's wife come to the Lord. Wow. We found out the uh, police officer's wife was a Christian. So we're wandering around town. Next day we find there's a, a couple. Of, there's a couple who are Christians there in the... Uh, just parked their caravan on the side of the road. And in that week, we found about 10 people who were believers and they didn't believe or they didn't know that there were any other believers in Christ wow. in the community. So we literally planted a church within a week and that church continued to uh, worship together <laughs> for uh, uh, six to 12 months after that before yep. you know the group started to dissipate and move out mm. to other areas. We did a similar thing in Yawa, which is um, an opal mining town, um, just near, um, well, not far from Thargaminda, Kanamala, in that sort of area. And um, the, there was a family there we went to encourage, and they end up to developing, ended up developing a little church. And uh, there was an Easter Sunday. This is back in the 90s, I think it was. There was an Easter Sunday where he gathered 200 of the locals and took them up on the local hill. Mm. And uh, they had an Easter Sunday um, service. Wow. Yeah. So there's some of the little stories. Mm. And uh, yeah, Yeah, it's just inspirational to hear, you know, 50 churches planted in different parts of Queensland, some very remote parts as well. And, you know, that's very dear to our heart here at Vision because, you know, even though our head office is here in Brisbane, you know, we've got 730 relay stations. And a lot of those places you mentioned, we've got, you know, little relay stations there and, and they're part of our family. So uh, it's yeah. uh, great to see how, uh, uh, you know, the Lord opened doors for you to travel far and wide all around Queensland and, yeah. uh, and all around Australia. Many churches have been planted uh, through uh, uh, different movements. Uh, tell us a bit about the transition for you to Green, uh, Greenslope Baptist. You were there for 21 years, is that right? That's right, yeah. So uh, after planting churches, you know, in all those places and mining towns as well, um, central Queensland, um there, there came a time when we were living in um, suburban Brisbane and uh, the leader of the denomination at the time came and said, um, look, there's a church at Greenslopes that's in a bit of trouble. Would you go and do a 12-month interim there? So we went and did a 12-month interim and at the end of that time, uh, we just saw the Lord do some amazing things. There was reconciliation. People came uh, together and it was like the, there was a level ground ready for the church to start again. Yeah. So I left. Well, we left mm. and uh, we were away praying about our next appointment where God wanted us and then the church got together while we were away and uh, over Christmas break they came back and said, well, you've done your interim, would you come back and be our pastor? So for the next 20 years um, I was there at Greenslopes mm. and uh, it was we, we used some of the principles that were developing in church planting. We used them in the local church to um, connect with the uh, community. And we started to see some community transformation, which mm. was uh, during those 20 years, which is absolutely wonderful. Now, I've heard you preach on this recently, and I was so inspired, uh, you know, some of the, the amazing uh, results of uh, ministry at Greenslopes. I, kn- I know that you do, you've been doing a lot of prayer walking. For example, there's mm. a, an abortion clinic nearby, and you'd be regularly just praying and praying for uh, the Lord's blessing on that area. I know you've ministered to a lot of the homeless, a lot of refugees. Uh, there's been a real move of God in that church over the years. And one of the the things that's inspired you is this book that I've got on my hands here that I've 
been reading, and, and my wife, it's impacted us so much. Uh, some of the principles you've been using is from The Grace Outpouring by Roy Godwin and Dave Roberts. Now, in a quick snapshot, it's about this guy, Roy Godwin, who was uh, a minister in the in the, the the UK who he actually had like a successful business opportunity and he thought God say, get rid of that and go and run a prayer retreat in Wales. So he takes over this place and really just gets a revelation of the power of blessing, the power yeah. of praying prayers of blessing over people. Yeah. And people just flock from all over the world to this place. Uh, now, you went there yourself. Mm. Uh, and how do you pronounce it? For Faldi Brennan? Faldi Brennan. That's the one, Faldi mm. Brennan. It's, it's like a Welsh word. Tell us about your time there and how it's impacted you in ministry. Okay. <laughs> well, the book has probably impacted me more than the visit to Faldi Brennan. Mm. And um, we got the, I got the book. Um, if I can tell you about the book, that sort of leads into uh, the visit to Faldi Brennan. Uh, walked into one of our prayer meetings one night and... Uh, uh, one couple who just really loved the Lord. I'll, I'll mention their first names, Helen and Theo. And uh, Helen and Theo, late 80s, early 90s, uh, just came up to me and said, we found this book rather interesting. Would you uh, like a copy? So I read it. And uh, I was just blown away. It was like the Lord saying, this is what you've got to do next. And uh, the, the book is basically all about just blessing people just praying God to bless communities, bless people. And so uh, we started to do that, and we started to see some amazing things happen uh, in the community. The local um, member of parliament, local councillor, um, were direct recipients of um, some of the blessing that we were praying over the community, also some of the local cafes. You know, we saw some changes. We saw... Um, I'm running a few events together here, but we saw a local... Um, seance and um, New Age store closed down and move out of town as we uh, prayed for them. So yeah, that sort of came about as we were praying for blessing over the community. So out of that, um, we had the opportunity last year when my son and daughter-in-law were married uh, to go over to um, England and they were married there. After the wedding, we went out to Faldy Brennan, out to Wales, and it was while we were there that um, my mother died. And um, it, it couldn't have been a better place for us to be. Just the peace and the grace of God that was so, and, and the presence of God that was in that place was just amazing. And um, just leading up to it, um, I'd prayed, or we'd prayed about going, and then we found out that it was very difficult to get in there, um, even for a a personal retreat. They were booked out for 12 months in advance. So I um, sent off an email. They came back and said, uh, we only have one week um, available in the whole year. And that was actually the week that we were going to be there. And when we got there, they said, um, we don't know why, but um, you you are getting the best room in the house. Normally, this is reserved for staff or the manager and uh, it's just available at the moment, we feel, to put you in there. So we get in this most beautiful place, outlook over the uh, beautiful Green Valley in South Wales, and we could see the cross that's talked about in the book. And, uh, and it was there that night that I got word that my mum had passed away. And so just the, it was like the Lord ministering in, to me and uh, to my wife Anne 
in that uh, beautiful, peaceful environment. And then just hearing stories of those that were in the room with us and uh, how, you know, the Lord was healing people, meeting with people, giving direction to people. It was just an amazing experience. And we've got Steve from Chinchilla on the phone. How are you, Steve? Not too bad. Matt, I haven't talked to you for all yonks. Is it Steve Chiller? Yes, yeah, Steve from Chinchilla. Steve Schiller from Chinchilla. <laughs> no, Steve from Chinchilla. <laughs> Good to hear from you, buddy. Chiller out here. What's that? Have you got a question or a comment for Graham? No, I've got a comment for, for Graham. Um, I, I, in from nineteen sixty-five to nineteen seventy, I went to the blind school over at Salisbury and at Narbathong, and boarded over at the deaf school at Annerley. And some lovely old people from the Greenslopes Baptist Church used to drive over there every Sunday and pick us kids up and take us to Sunday school at the Greenslopes Baptist. Yep, yep. I've heard stories about just, that, yeah. They were just the loveliest, loveliest people. Well, I, I loved it because we got cordial and biscuits and the people were nice and whatever. But it took me until I was 29 to actually come to the Lord. And start, Sharon and I started in part-time ministry, did Bible college and whatever. And um, so the last 13 years, we've been doing one service a month at a little uniting church over at Chindawi. So, right. you know, that's, that, that, that's kept us. So when we started in ministry, I actually wrote a letter to the church there, just in, encouraging to say, well, you know, it, it wasn't a waste of time picking us rat bags up and feeding us biscuits and cordial. But that was, that was great outreach. But when I sent them the letter, people hadn't actually realised that these people had been doing it. They were, they'd done it for years and years and years, but they were so humble about it that, you know, there wasn't a thing up on the wall saying this person, that person, that person did this. They just did it quietly. Mm. Well, by the time I came there... People were aware of that ministry, so maybe it was your letter that sparked that recognition. I I haven't been back since 1970. Um, I had a niece and and her husband and kids were going there. I've wanted to go back sometime, but I I will, but I just haven't. But it it was there was an old guy called Mr. McGrath. He worked for um, not the navy. What do they call it? The merchant navy. Okay. And he used to come over one night a week and read textbooks to us because we couldn't read. And there was another lady, I can't remember her name, she used to come and she used to read different textbooks to me. Mm. And, like, these people, though, that was just, that was fabulous outreach. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. But, but so faithful and humble and, and yeah, so it, um, as I said, it took until I was 29 to come to the Lord, but... That was all seed sown. And because of what we they did to us, we bought a 15-seater bus. And, well, because we lived 32 k's out of town, we would load that with kids from out in the bush, take them to church, take them to Sunday school. Uh, another baker would give us bread. We'd feed them. At communion time, we'd go and pick up another bus load around town, do, do uh, Sunday school and then deliver and feed. So, so that was... It just went on from because they did it to us, we did it to them. Mm. Fantastic. Hey, Steve, we do have to keep going. We've got the news on in a moment. But thank you so much for your call, mate. And we've got Jill from St. Clair in far north Queensland. Uh, Welcome along, Jill. How are you? Yes, I'm fine, actually. It's Jill St. Clair from Mariba. 
Oh, okay. Jill Sinclair, and I understand you, uh, you've you read the book The Grace Outpouring, have you? I read it four years ago, and events in my life led me to being very lonely and disorientated, and I just felt myself um, that I needed to find Saldi Brennan in Wales. Mm-hmm. And tell us a bit about uh, how it's impacted your life. Well... Ever since then, going to Faldi Brennan and my amazing journey to get there from Fishguard, I have spoken to so many Christians and said, you need to read The Grace Outpouring. It gave me such um, confidence just to follow a leading that God was giving me to find Faldi Brennan. Mm, Wonderful. Mm, Yeah. Well, it's so good to hear that it's impacted your life. Uh, thank you so much for your call. Thank you for listening. <laughs> God bless. If you'd like to call through and join the conversation, you can call on 1-800-316-316. And we've got Richard from Alstonville in New South Wales. Uh, Richard's uh, got a comment about uh, hardened hearts and revival. Uh, hi, guys. How are you, mate? Uh, good, thanks. I kind, yeah, of had a, kind of a comment, but a bit of a question. Um, Often you hear, you know, in, in church and in the world today about um, how the West is is so, just so much more of a challenge in, in evangelism and, um, you know, in revival for the future. So I, I guess my question to you is, do you think with future revival, um, God will be able to break down people's hearts like a move of Christ? Because I, I believe God can do anything. But but can you see that as being... A, being um, a a big thing on God's heart because I know He has a heart for the for the nations and I know He has a heart to see you know it says that none should perish and all should have eternal life. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Graham? When, when God starts to move, often He starts to not so much move with the people that need the prayer, but the ones that are He's calling to pray, and often He builds an expectation that uh, He's about to do something. And he draws us closer to himself, and and uh, there's a growing in prayer and a growing in um, unity in the churches as the churches start to uh, come together. And as that starts to happen, we we find ourselves praying more out of a place of love rather than out of a place of God change these um, well this terrible situation. And it's there's something about the closeness. Um, in our relationship with God, not just an individual, but a whole lot of people drawing near to God, out of that place, there's like a oneness where we move with him to change whatever the situation or people group that we're praying for. Cool. Good on you, Richard. Thanks, Thanks for your call. God bless. Yeah, thank you. And on that topic, Graham, you know, you've been helping out with the King's Table Outreach during COVID, mm. and uh, we've been out together visiting all these homeless shelters. And, you know, we've just counted up. We've seen over 100 people come to Christ in the last few months. It's just wonderful. Mm. It's almost like this disaster, what the devil has meant for bad, God has turned around for good. It's actually Mm. people's hearts are open for the gospel, aren't they? Yeah. And I talk to those people as um, we hand out food parcels. And I still remember one day we're standing in the back of the vehicle. The vehicle's full of food, but on the side there's some uh, Bibles. And uh, two people came and asked for Bibles and uh, they talked about how they wanted to know more about what the Bible said. So food's there, but their main hunger 
was to uh, find God. Amen. Amen. It's been such a blessing to have you along at New Hope helping out recently. And uh, we're taking calls today, 1-800-316-316. If you've got a question, Pastor Graham Jones is our guest. We've got a Facebook poll that's getting a lot of votes in today. Do we think we will see revival or a great falling away in these last days? It's currently 63% revival, 37% falling away. You can call through and join the conversation or make a vote at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Phone lines are open on 1-800-316-316. And we've got Val from Mackay. How are you, Val? Hi, I'm here. Uh, I think we're going to have a great revival. Mm -hmm. And um, what God's going to do is what he's been working towards since the fall. And uh, Jesus has said he's going to have a church that the gates of hell will not stand against. And Ephesians 4.13 says that God's going to grow the church unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That hasn't happened yet. It's going to be a glorious church without spot nor wrinkle. And over in uh, Romans it says uh, the manifestation, talks about the manifestation of the sons of God. Mm -hmm. That has to happen yet. Uh, Acts 3.21 the heavens must retain Jesus until the time of the restoration of all things. And there's a lot of other scriptures I could tell you, but it's a, it's the fulfilment of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the Feast of the Final Harvest. And we're going to see mighty things happen in the earth. Val, you know, I just feel the anointing in the studio here as you're reading out those Bible verses, and I, I believe it with all my heart that we are going to see a revival around the world. And um, can I ask a favour, Val? I know that you love to interact with us on Facebook. It's Val Pym, isn't it? Is that right? Is it yeah. Pym? Is that your surname? That's right. So, Val, if you yeah. could, if you could put those Bible verses in the comment section of our Facebook page, uh, because there's a lot of people that are very okay. unsure about this subject. Are you able to do that for us? Yes, I can do that. I, I know you love your Facebook. Comment sent, uh, section of your Facebook page. Yeah, because we've got the poll at, at facebook.com forward slash vision radio and uh, it, it'd just be great to have those verses in there because, you know, we can have theories and ideas and philosophies, but it all comes mm -hmm. back to the Word of God, doesn't it, Val? I'll just give you one more. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Jesus said uh, Elijah is going to come and restore all things. Some say John the Baptist was a fulfilment. He was um, he was the Elijah of the day for the mm. first coming, but Elijah is the Spirit of God coming upon flesh uh, to prepare the way of the Lord, and that's at the second coming. Wonderful. And uh, Elijah's going to come and restore all things. Amen. And um, that's what God's going to be doing. Mm. Yep. It's all there in the Scriptures and in the types and everything. Wow. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you so much for your call, Val. Yep. Okay, bye. God bless. Bye-bye. If you'd like to call through and join the conversation, we'd love to hear your thoughts. 1-800-316-316. And uh, we've got Chris from Melbourne in Victoria. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm good, but you're going to make me look like a bad guy because I'm going to respectfully disagree. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think that the, the Bible says, you, you speak about the Bible, it says, unless there's a falling away, the end will not come. And, uh, you know, the, the very elect will, you know, unless Jesus comes quickly, the very elect will be deceived. So I, I think um, the Bible also says the spirit behind um, Jesus, uh, the spirit behind prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So I think people who are, uh, you know, 
telling people about prophecy these days, like uh, you know what will happen, the Antichrist, the uh, the uh, the tribulation, the mark of the beast. Uh, when the rapture happens, and then the tribulation, the kingdom, these people will realize, and uh, they will give their lives to Christ. And the Bible talks about the great tribulation, the, uh, the great harvest that comes out of the tribulation. And I saw the multitudes in their robes, uh, you know, in white. So. That the great harvest is going to be in the tribulation, the great revival, whatever, will be in the tribulation. Mm. Well, I was just chatting to Graham off air before, and you know, one of my favorite end times verses is in Matthew 24, where Jesus said, The gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. And mm. I believe that is uh, the, the age we're in, you know, right now, mm. through Christian radio, TV, through yeah. uh, Bible translation, through missions and yeah. church planning, we are seeing the gospel preached to all nations. And, uh, Graham, you, you actually yeah. had some stats before about uh, India and China and uh, the salvations we're seeing around the world right now. I think it came out of the Australian Prayer Network news a couple of weeks ago where there was a comment made in the United States and other European or Western nations. Uh, there is a, a massive falling away now. People are saying after lockdown and so forth, they're just not going to be bothered going back to church. Um, as opposed to that, in places like India and China, uh, where there's some persecution, uh, as well as the problem with the virus and so forth, there is actually a, a great turning to the Lord. And uh, so at the moment, we've got both. But uh, it's also interesting that before any revival, um, there is often a great falling away. You think about uh, Wesley's revivals and there was a massive falling away and you often see that in other revivals and then there's an outpouring of the Spirit. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, but, but also, yeah, what I want to say, in the tribulation you have the 144,000 who are sealed that go and witness all over the earth. You have an angel that flies in the air that proclaiming the gospel in every tongue. So that's where I think the great harvest will come. Wonderful to get your thoughts today, Chris. Thanks for your call. If you'd like to call through and join the conversation, you can call on 1-800-316-316. And we've got Frank from Albany Creek in Brisbane. How are you, Frank? I'm very well, yourself? Very good, mate. What are your thoughts about revival? I um, believe in revival, yes. Um, you know, I can't remember who was the um, man who came across and didn't stop in Australia. I think it might have been Flinders. He called it the Grey State. Land of the Holy Spirit. Is it Ferdinand de Quiros? Yep. Yes, and um, and then um, and then we got prophesied. Um, I can't remember who prophesied said at, at, at the last time, the last revival will happen in Australia before the end of of end of all times, and um, I really believe that. And and yes, that um, everyone on earth has got to hear the. Um, gospel and then we'll have the revival and I think that'll be the end of it Yes, I think you might be referring to Smith Wigglesworth there um, one of the verses that um, I find uh, quite interesting for these times, it's some of Jesus' last words in Acts 1, uh, 7 and 8, Jesus said it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority but you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we're called to be faithful no matter what the times. And um, out of that witness, there's going to come times of um, of great revival. Mm. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for your call, Frank. 
Thank you. God bless. Now, it's uh, almost time to wrap up, uh, Graham, and I actually just felt a real stirring in my heart. You know, this is my last chance on 2020 this week, and I've got... I've got uh, Pastor Graham Jones with me here in the studio and we've been talking about revival and talking about blessing. And The book that we're both highly recommending is called The Grace Outpouring. I actually just ordered five copies through Vision Store. <laughs> so you can order it through visionstore.org.au uh, if you want to get a copy of it from Roy Godwin and Dave Roberts. Uh, there's another one called The Way of Blessing mm. uh, that Roy's written that my wife's currently reading. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend that. Uh, but um, one of the things that they talk about is you know that, that special prayer the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon mm. you. And and isn't it just amazing that I've just been reading this and now that song has come out, yeah. the Australian version of the blessing, and it's being sung all over the world, the blessing. Mm. Um, I just believe that there is power in blessing. And we've just got a couple of minutes before we wrap up, Graham. And I just thought, can we ask you to pray a blessing over Australia, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, and all of our listeners that are here today? Mm. I'd love to wrap up my week you know, of uh, live guests, you know, with with a prayer today. Are you okay to just pray a blessing over our nation? Love to, yeah. Oh, Father, we just want to praise you, our God, for all your goodness to this land. We thank you, Father, that in the midst of strife, in the midst of trouble, you are ever-present. And so we pray a blessing. Lord, would you bless us? Would you keep us? Would you let your face shine on us? Would you be gracious to us? Would you let your peace flow through this land? We pray, Father, that you would bless people physically, particularly those, Lord, that are are doing it tough at this time, uh, particularly through the virus. Would you bless people in Melbourne in particular? And, Father, we pray that you would bless people in their work at this time. You want to bless us, Father, as we as we labour. And so we pray for those whose businesses and uh, jobs are at risk because of this virus. And we pray, Father, in the midst of that, you would bring blessing. We pray that you would bless people emotionally. We pray that you would bring strength and emotional strength to the people of Australia, that we might stand up and know who we are as a people and seek righteousness and seek peace. Bless this land, O oh God, with a mighty turning towards you, that they might seek you with all their hearts and find you. And in the midst of trouble, let people find the living God. And we pray, Father, that you would bless us with good friends, with friends who care for us, people who come around us and support us in this time. Bless this land. Bless the least, the lost. And, Father, we just ask that you would just bring your great blessing to a place where the whole world, especially the media, looks at us and says, God is at work here. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Graham Jones, for joining us today. It has been a blessing to uh, have you on the radio with us. And uh, once again, if people want to get their hands on that book that has impacted uh, us a lot, it's called The Grace Outpouring, Becoming a People of Blessing, from Roy Godwin and Dave Roberts. Uh, Graham, whatever you're doing this weekend, mate, you have a great weekend. And uh, love to you and all your family. Thanks for your time. And God's blessing to you and all who are out there listening. Amen. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.